Lucy talk about Mary, Mary and the angel came to Mary and um, revealed to her. What, what did the angel reveal? Favor? Yeah. And what's going to happen? Yeah. Okay. She's going to have a baby. Who's this baby going to be? There we go. Jesus. So um, do we have, is there the slide? Is my slide there? Okay. This is what I'm titling my message today. Um, my message is titled Announced and Unrevealed. In my head, I'm still trying to work out fully how we're going to get there. But um, if you try and follow me, we will get there eventually. So we're just going to jump straight into this story. Um, so we have now uh, Mary and Joseph, and they've journeyed to where? And why have they journeyed there? Census. There we go. You guys know your Bible. Great. Um, And so they arrive in Bethlehem, and then it says this. We get to this moment, um, which is Jesus' birth. And we get to a moment, it says, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. This is, um, sorry, Luke Luke 2, verse 6. Time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for him. Who's just been born? And this is the amount that he gets. His birth just gets like two verses, right? So that's it. So that's what we're told. And then next thing comes up. um, It's like a scene cut. You imagine the manger scene, and it's like a cut. And then we get to the shepherds on the fields. Um, And so it reads, the shepherds and angels. That night... There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. So we see them in this place, and they're just doing their ordinary job. They're doing what they've... uh, Their role in society, right? They're just doing the ordinary. And then it's like, boom, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Yeah, there we go, Lane. That's the enthusiasm I'm looking for. Um, and so they appear, and it's like, I feel like sometimes we don't, we don't give this moment, like, what it needs. I feel like maybe we've watched too many nativities where it's like shepherds, like um, little children, actors, and it's like, oh my gosh, there's an angel. And it's like, as if it's not been rehearsed at all. But imagine being in this moment, if you can just kind of put yourself in it. There's these shepherds and... All of a sudden, this angel appears among them. No, um, no warning, no expectation. And so this angel just appears among them. And then it says, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Now, this is a moment I really, really want to like just pit stop in as we go through this story. Um, it says that the glory of the Lord shines around them. The glory of the Lord isn't something that really shows up a lot in the Bible. And I just wanted to cut quickly back to this point in Exodus. Um, And Moses is having an encounter with God, Exodus 33. And it reads, Moses says, now please, Lord, show me your glory. And Jesus, uh, God, sorry, responds. Whoops, jumping ahead. But you cannot see my face because no one can see me and live. In other words, you can't be in my glory right now because I'm just too great. And then we cut to this moment with the shepherds on the field 
just doing their thing, not particularly high in the social status, and they're exposed to the glory of the Lord. And so I'm asking myself, the glory can be shown to the shepherds, but it can't be shown to Moses. Isn't this guy that um, God used to deliver the Israelites from Egypt? Um, and then he can reveal his glory to these shepherds. And I'm thinking, like, what, what's happened? Like, what's changed? And what has changed? There we go. That's always the answer. Um, Jesus has been born. Uh, born. Whoops. Um, um, and so I'm thinking this moment I believe when Jesus is born and the angels come to these shepherds and the glory surrounds them this is like a time bomb that has been ticking for hundreds of thousands of years after being separated in the garden from God, us as humanity, it's like we've never had the access since. And Jesus is born, and then the glory comes on the hillside. Yeah, can I get a shout? Woo! That woke some of you up. Um, this is a cosmic moment, like, thank you, Nigel. This is cosmic, in my opinion. Maybe yours too. Um, the glory of the Lord has just entered onto a field in a small town called Bethlehem. And Moses, the deliverer of the Israelites, couldn't have it because he wouldn't live. I think, yeah, it's a cosmic moment. And so we've pit stopped there. There's that glory moment. And then how do the shepherds respond? It says they were terrified. Now... Why were they terrified? I wonder. Um, So they're surrounded by the glory of the Lord, right? And this is the glory of the Lord of like someone who's perfect, like a perfect being. I think they were terrified not just because there's this um, divine being beside them out of nowhere. I think they're terrified because in the presence of the glory of the Lord, your brokenness and your weakness and your... um, wrongdoing is amplified right so you're in this perfect presence and I feel like it can't not make them feel inadequate like who are they not really anyone special um they might have thought and so they're terrified and what's the response of the angel Do not be afraid. Exactly. And I think I love what kind of happens in this moment. So the angel says, do not be afraid. And in older translations, I see everyone's eyes up there. Like, it's the same screen. (laughs) Um, It's cool. Um, And so it says, do not be afraid. And then in older versions of this um, verse, it says, behold, I bring good news of great joy. And I think in more, is, is that okay? More modern translations, um, it's kind of got rid of the behold, but it's like, in a, maybe Eleanor's translation, it's like, do not be afraid, for there's this thing now. You don't need to be afraid anymore, because, because behold, something's come now. Don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you the good news that will bring great joy to 
Who? All people. Yeah, all people. Maybe I shouldn't have done that one. Um, And so I think this moment is a cosmic moment because these people can be in the glory of God and they don't have to be afraid because Jesus has come. I think it's the beginning of the victory. Um, Where am I now? And then, so next stop, what do the angels say? The angels say the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And so this is kind of where I might start to tie in announced and unrevealed, right? So Mary was told that she would have Jesus and it had been announced to her, but to the rest of the world, it was unrevealed. Throughout the entire Old Testament, you have this promise of God bringing something and something coming that is greater. And it's been announced, it's been announced, it's been announced, but it's been unrevealed. They don't know what it is yet. And so the angels on the field say, the saviour. Saviour meaning the rescuer. They say, not just the saviour, the messiah. Messiah meaning chosen one, anointed one. Then they say, the saviour, not just that, not just the messiah, the lord. And what's so key about this use of the word lord is that it's the way that I believe Greek-speaking Jews would refer to the God of Israel himself. So he's not just the rescuer, he's not just the chosen one, he's the God of Israel himself. Like for the shepherds who have been there and they've heard of a promise of for hundreds of years, it's it's in Jewish culture, their ancestors would would have died being told this promise of something coming. It was announced and it was unrevealed. And so in this moment, I feel like it begins to be revealed to them and so they start to see okay right so the savior okay all right the the one who's going to rescue us great okay um the messiah yeah that's that's the one that god chooses right and and then like the lord like god himself that's that's who you're saying is there and so they take this in and then the angels say and you'll recognize him by this sign you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. They just got told that the Lord, the God of Israel, has been born. And how are they going to find him? He's a baby, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. In other translations, it says he was swaddled in cloth. These are shepherds, and they look after sheep, and they look after lambs. And lambs were taken, you know, to go to the um, temple and to be sacrificed. When a lamb was born, they would wrap him snugly, swaddle him, and then almost, I guess, maybe lie in a manger. So they've revealed to the shepherds that this Jesus has been born, this Lord, and they're going to recognize him. Why? Because it looks like the lambs. Like, think about it. Like, Unpick it. Do you get? Do you get what I'm talking about? You got it. It's a, a lamb, like the lamb. I, I don't know about anyone else, but I think like wow. Like if there's like you know people say there's light layers to the scripture, and you have to uncover them. To me, this is like whoa. <laughs> God, you're a joker. Um, and so, then it goes. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. So it's not just one angel now. 
this whole heavenly host of angels has arrived on earth in this field, glorious, shining all around. Like you might think you can imagine it. I personally don't think any of us really fully ever will be able to. Um, Maybe one day we'll see it for ourselves. Amen. Um, (laughs) And so they're praising God. And one thing that also struck me about this is when Mary got the message that um, she was to have the baby Jesus, I think it's cool because like, Gabriel comes and he, he says, you know, you're going to have this message. And then he kind of, you know, leaves. But here, the angels, they deliver this message and they stay to praise. They stay there to praise God. And like, isn't that crazy? Because it's like they're praising in the place where Jesus is because he's in Bethlehem. Is that like, not like, whoa. In my head, that's like, whoa. Okay, so they're praising and they say, glory to God in highest heaven. Say it with me. Glory to God in highest heaven. A bit more oomph. Glory to God in highest heaven. Great. And peace on earth to those who... Sorry. And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Amazing. So we get to this stage. Let me find the rest of my notes. And so there's this like glorious moment. There's this glorious moment and the angels are praising and yeah. So then that's great. And it's like, wow, wow, wow. And then what do they do? The shepherds, what's their response? They go, exactly. They go and they go and find Jesus. In response to this great news, there's an immediate action. Do you get what I'm saying? They go, they're like, oh my gosh, like, we just got told that, like, the, 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 the son of God, or the God of Israel is here, and they're like, we need to go, like, we need to go right now and find this baby in the way that it's told. And so the, the story continues, when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby, lying in the manger. After seeing him, What happens? Does anyone know? What do the shepherds do? They tell everyone. They tell everyone. So after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the the shepherd's story were astonished. And then it goes, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Woo. Yeah. Amazing. And so this moment where the angel comes and the glory of the Lord is shining all around and um the angels give this message, it's like this is the first people that they've told the shepherds and we already know they're not they're not the Pharisees, they're not religious people, they're not kings, they're not VIPs, right? They're just shepherds on a hill and the glory comes and I think another beautiful what I love about this story is there's so much beautiful imagery to like dive into and I was just imagine like that moment when the glory comes it's literally like the darkness is shattered and isn't that like one of the strongest analogies for what Jesus does when he's born like he comes in and and the way he does it like he just comes in as like a baby he's allowed himself this level of vulnerability that we can all say we've all had. We've all been babies. We've all been born. We've all had to rely on a, on a, on a figure, on a father, on a mother, right? But then there's this scene, like a couple, 
miles, kilometers away, and the glory comes and it just shatters the darkness. That's, that's pretty lit. That's cool. I like it. All right. So now I'm thinking, okay, so it's announced and it's kind of revealed, right, what Jesus is doing? Is it? I don't know. It's like he's, he's, he's here. Yeah, he's here. But they don't know what he's going to do yet. Like the Israelites, what did they expect? They expected that someone would come riding in on a horse. Did anyone watch Miracle Maker growing up or like in their life? I loved Miracle Maker. I like. I think it's one of the best like Jesus movies ever. I think it's great. And I, I remember like there's this moment, there's this scene where like um, the the what's it called? The the people are having that a vision of what they thought Jesus would come in, and he's like in Roman armor and like with a sword on a horse, and they're so so wrong because that's not that's not what he did, right? And we, we know we know what happens later in the story, right? But the shepherds, they didn't. And it's like, there's this really weird thing where it's like it's been announced to them. And it's almost been revealed, but it's 30 years before Jesus really starts his ministry. If I was a shepherd, I'm going to be honest, I'd be a bit like, there was this thing that happened like two years ago or five years ago or 30 years ago, and, and these angels came, and they gave this promise, and I was glorifying, and we're still in bondage, like, with the Romans, like, what, what's, what's happening, God, like, you literally came, and you said it was here, this promise that we've been waiting for, for hundreds of years, and I, I can't see it, it's, it's not fully been revealed yet, and I wonder if that's a place that we recognize for ourselves, like, the angels on that hill, there's two things that they talk about us receiving. And one of them is joy. What's the other? Peace? Peace. Exactly. And I think right now in this day and age, like, Luke spoke about the election earlier on. Kylie was talking about her work in Thailand. I, I don't think there's any two things that we need more in our humanity right now then great joy and peace. And that was spoken 2,000 years ago. Like, uh, sometimes I'm like, how is the Bible so right? Like, these things we need, we need them so desperately. And then, and, and, and Jesus comes and this is the promise that he gives. And it's like, we might be in places and we might see things around us. We might be in our workplaces, in our relationships, in, in all different kind of places. And it's like, God, you announced this great joy and this peace. And it feels like it's, it's been announced and it's not fully been revealed or it's, it's unreceived. Maybe it's announced and unreceived. And so I sort of feel like what do we do in like that place, right? Where it feels like it's been announced and unrevealed or announced and unreceived. I think part of the reason maybe is because Jesus came and he does already have the victory, but we live in a place that someone kind of described to me as this. They called it the kingdom 
of God that is now and not yet, right? So we've started to see the kingdom of God come, right? But it's not fully yet. And thank, like, thank God that this is not what the whole kingdom of God looks like. Because our world is a sham. Uh, if we're honest, our country is a sham. Gosh. Um, <laughs> it's not really a joke. But anyway. <laughs> so then I kind of come to like, where do we go? Like, what do we do with the promises that God has given us? Like, how do we continue to have faith in this this God and this faith where it's like we're still in this place of like the kingdom of God of now and not yet and I just I maybe you might see this as me running off the story running away from the story of the shepherds but um I felt like I wanted to read this chapter from Hebrews and I found it a great encouragement and it might be a bit long but I hope you hear from it what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear so I'm just going to read it come quickly it says Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. This is Hebrews 11, by the way. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts, although Abel is long dead. He still speaks to us by this example. It gets juicier. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God and is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and had he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land, that what God would give him is in his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren, was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation come from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. If you haven't been listening up to now, this is the important part. Trust me. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they call their own. If they had longed for the country they had come from, though, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. And then it says it was by faith Abraham offered Isaac. It says it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings on his sons. It was by faith. It was by faith that Joseph, when he died, said confidently, the people will leave Israel. And that happened, what, like 400 years later, right? It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. It was by faith. 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 It goes on. If you want to read it, I'm not going to go through it all. Then go look at it. 
These, what I love, I love, it says, they didn't receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. Like, there are things, I, I feel like Advent is this such cool time, and almost as we go into 2020, I had a bit of a rant on my social media the other day, <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing, but I will, um, and it was like, it was like, I feel like things aren't right in my life right now, like, there's just things that are about me and like around me and they're just not where I want them to be. And God, like, there's this promise of what will come and there's this promise that it will come and even if it's unrevealed or if it's unreceived, but it's been announced, it's like, it's gonna come. And like, what? Some people like waited 30 years in the Bible. The shepherds had to wait 30 years. And it's like, that faith, but that moment when Jesus came, it was a cosmic moment. And it meant that we can have hope and we can have this great joy and this peace because there's a promise. Even if we're living in the kingdom of God that is now and not yet, there's this peace and this joy that we can reach for, right? Is, is, is that cool? I think that's pretty cool. So like as we carry on in this lead up to Advent, I think it's so core that we like, we realize that we might be in the announced and unrevealed or the announced and unreceived. Maybe like God's announced something to you and you're just like, where is it? Or maybe you know what it's supposed to be and it's just not here yet. It's unreceived. And I really want to encourage you in this time when we lead up to Advent, just take trust in that promise of when Jesus came, there was this cosmic moment where the glory of God could be around lowly shepherds. And therefore, it means us too. Like, we can be in the glory of God. And then, so as I was preparing this preach, I think I might be coming into land. This has been a bit all over the place. But, um, anyway, I, w- I really wanted to be like, right, so what kind of like, I don't know, action points can I bring out of this preach? And I thought, I was praying about it, I was praying about it, and I was like, I don't know, like, what can I give that's, like, constructive to help? And then I was reading this book by um, Tim Keller. It's called A Hidden Christmas. And it it speaks about, like, the ordinariness of the Christmas story. Like, it's just, like, a teenage mom, and she has a baby. And then they don't really have a place to stay, and they just find a place, and he lies in a manger, and then that's, like, his birth. It seems like a pretty ordinary birth, right? And so, if you know, discard all the, like amazing godness which is the coolest part it's like fully god and fully man it's just like wow but i was like what can i tell people like what can i suggest to anyone and i was reading in this book and um tim keller kind of makes the point that this the world that we live in has um mistaken the ordinariness for like plainness and unimportance this story is such an ordinary story and sometimes i feel like maybe we read a Christian book, I don't know, or we watch a couple of Christian sermons. It's like, yeah, like, I'm getting closer to God. And trust me, like, I'm talking about me more than anyone. Like, that's what I do. But nothing is going to grow us faith, grow our faith, like spending time in the presence of God and in daily prayer and daily worship and daily communion. And like, I feel like that's the thing that's going to get us to grow our faith. I just wanted to share um, one sort of testimony that Tim... Keller gives about a man um, and I'm definitely not at this stage so if anyone else feels like they're not then we're in this together but 
It talks about what does this great joy look like? And so there's this guy called Daniel Steele, a British Methodist in the 18th century, and he once wrote about a season in his life. Almost every week and almost every day, the pressure of his great love comes down on my heart in such a measure as to make my whole being, soul and body groan beneath the strain of the almost unsupportable plethora of joy. And yet amid this fullness, there is hunger for more. He has unlocked every apartment of my being and filled and flooded them all with the light of his radiant presence. The spot being untouched has been reached and all its flintiness has melted in the presence of Jesus, the one altogether lovely. I read that. I was like, yes, please. Like, can I get some of that? (laughs) And it's like, we can be like, how? And the thing is, it's a long game as well. Like it's bit by bit every day. Like, Daily prayer, daily worship, daily surrender. How about that one? Like Kylie spoke about crazy. That's surrender. (laughs) Like, can we go into 2020 with things even being announced and unrevealed or unreceived? Can we commit to that daily worship and that daily prayer and that daily surrender? Even if things are, you know, not where we want it to be. I think it's something we can strive for. And I think it's something we can look for. And one other thing he wrote, Tim Keller, which I thought was just amazing, is he said, don't be put off by the ordinariness of the means of joy, that daily work. For in that ordinariness is hidden the extraordinary riches of the gospel. Right? Cool. So yeah, the world, it needs that faith and that that joy and that peace and those peacemakers, I think, right now. And I'm sure you would all agree with me, like, our world is a pretty big state. But we have that promise of Jesus, because when he arrived, it was a cosmic moment. Um, And so, yeah, just can I encourage you over this Advent? I know we say, like, you know, it's a preparing time for Jesus is coming. It's like trying to, like, I just really want to encourage you to do it. Because I think if we all grasp and unlock this thing of this peace and this joy, this peace between God and mankind and with one another, like, don't be deceived by its ordinariness because it's revolutionary, right? Like, if we can use that and really go into the world as joyful people, one quick story, sorry, I know I need to come into LA, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I remember when I was younger, I used to, I have three older brothers, they're great. They used to have jokes around the table, right? And they would be laughing their heads off, Yeah. My mum, she would start laughing too. She doesn't even know what the joke's about. Like, she's actually creasing. She's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And she doesn't even know what the joke is about. But she's been exposed to that joy, right? She's been exposed to that joy of the joke that she doesn't even know. And she can't not laugh. Like, she can't not receive the joy. And then she doesn't even know what's going on. And so imagine, like, we can go do that in the world, Like, we can go out and be, like, joyful. And I'm not just saying, like, be fake. I'm saying, like, genuine joy, which we access by spending time in the presence of God. If we can carry that joy, people will be joyful. They don't even know it's because of God. And then you'll be like, it's because of God. Right? So can we strive for that in 2020? Yeah? Oh, that was so enthusiastic. Wow, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. 
Let's strive for that joy. Let's strive for that peace. Over Christmas time, let's be peacemakers, yeah? Oh, love it. Let's be peacemakers. Let's be carriers of joy. And let's not be deceived by the ordinariness of it. Because hidden inside is the extraordinary riches of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Is it cool if we end by praying? Yeah. Would you stretch out your hands with me? Thank you. Yeah, Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you've given it to us. We thank you that your glory can come and be with us every day. Your presence can be with us every day. Thank you that you inhabit us, Father. And thank you that you loved us so deeply. You do love us so deeply that you gave us your son. Like I can only imagine that's like literally pulling your heart out and serving it to us, like ripping your heart out of your chest and serving it to us, not even knowing if we would accept it. So yeah, Father, I thank you for this message of, of this revolution that you began with your birth, with your vulnerable, poverty-stricken, refugee status birth. And God, we'll never know the, the cost of what you paid for, Father. And I just pray that in this time as a church, as we look towards, 2020, uh, look towards Christmas, but also as we look towards 2020 and going into the new year, that we will be harborers of your peace and your joy. I pray, Father, that it will just flow through us so deeply. And like that, um, that man spoke about, it's just your light will just enter every single chamber of our bodies. Father, I thank you that... I can say great words or not so great words, but Father, it's by your Holy Spirit that transformation happens. It's not by anyone standing up here. It's not by a great tune or a great worship leader, but it's by your Holy Spirit that transformation happens. And if you want to join me, church, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit into my life, God, where you want to make change, where you want to light up things that I don't, not even I see. Father, I just pray that You'll make me a stream of hope and you'll make me a stream of peace and I'll be a peacemaker in my, in my work, in my family, in my life, in my communities. Father, we just want to accept you and we want to share you, Father, because there's nothing, no greater gift, no greater gift that anyone can receive than your rescuing and your freedom, Father. And so I just pray as you bless us, that we will instinctively bless others and we'll just be a, a flowing stream of blessing from you and to others. And we won't harbor it. We won't keep it to ourselves, Father. And that we'll just be so in tune to you and listen to you when you call us and when you, when you hold us back, when you stop us, when you tell us to keep our mouths shut and when you tell us to keep them open, Father. I just pray, pray that our ears will be tuned to what you have to say and where you want to lead us and where you want us to go in this new year and as we prepare for Christmas. In your precious mighty name I pray, amen.